HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. I'm a backer from Italy, and I'm eating spaghetti, and I'm drinking a wine out of a can, mamma mia. You know, they actually say that in Italy. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, the show about the highs and lows of all things edible, spreadable, and pourable with your host, Zara Tangora, and me, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were going to say me. Cat-like <laughs> reflexes on Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Nicole Bailey. So guys, Brent has left the building. Goodbye. Uh, we will miss you. Avita Zay. Uh, but Nicole, welcome back to the show, co-hostess with the mostess. Thank you. It's great to be here. What's poppin'? Uh, do they really say Mamma Mia in Italy? Yeah. They say Mamma Mia, and they also say, anytime they're like, instead of saying, oh, wow, they say, oh, Madonna. (laughs) Like, oh, Madonna. Uh, Like, oh, Madonna. Okay, like the saint. Yeah, the queen of the night, Madonna. Right. No, like Madonna, whatever. Leon? What's her real last name? Chick Leon? I don't know. Okay, well, anyway, that's enough about Italy. Italy is Italy schmidly, that's what I say. What have you been doing? Um, I've just been working, basically kind of boring, um, and going to the beach the last gasp of summer. Ooh, grass night, catching fish, spotting whales? Uh, nope, just sunbathing. Ooh, and... nude? <laughs> uh, sure, yeah. Ooh, sexy time at the beach. <laughs> Yum. I guess my invitation got lost in the mail. Yeah, it did. Um, I've been in Italy for the past three weeks. And I, I know. It's been hard for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've just been... I mean, I sent you a message in a bottle. I, didn't, I guess it didn't... It did not That arrive. was your invitation. I was staying inland, though. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess I should have checked that out <laughs> before I sent it. <laughs> So what's going on? What have you eaten, drank, made kind of weird snacks you've been making at home? Hmm. I, you know, nothing really that interesting, I, especially not probably compared to actual Italian food from Italy. Yeah. Um, I ate like a frozen pizza. That's Italian. Italian, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a cauliflower crust pizza, so like gluten-free, oh, uh, low-carb. Yeah. Very hip, very hip, very trendy, <laughs> very now. It's all the rage in Rome. The streets of Rome are <laughs> teeming with... 
<laughs> crispy cauliflower crust. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, they're everywhere. Amazing. Well, I made. I had some really good food experiences. I was cooking while I was there. Right. I burned my hand. Look at this disgusting menagerie. Dude, that's gross. You I know. It, cover that. <laughs> it's like a peely scab. It's that like phase. It's at the phase of a burn where I just look like an elderly person that has a growth. Ew. Right. Yeah. Like a weird or cancer. Like, I just saw the second it movie, and there's a moment where an older woman like moves her shirt around and there's like a growth on her chest. It looks exactly like that. Really? What was the growth? Was she becoming an it? She is like, I mean, I don't want to spoil (laughs) anything. Um, that scene is actually in the preview, so I haven't said anything too much, but uh, she's, she's not a good, she's not a good gal. Look out for her (laughs) moments after that scene. (laughs) Are there more it's than one? No. Okay. Still just one it. But they can like control stuff. You know, just to take a left turn for a second, I was really disappointed in the first remake of It because I had hoped it to be a little bit more, like, realistic and kind of, like, John Wayne Gacy-ish instead of, like, like magic. And I wish they had kind of taken a turn with it where It was actually more like a real dude who, like, dressed as a clown oh. and lived on, down the block. I don't know. I like the supernatural element. You did? Yeah. And I actually think that the first one was better than the second one ended up being. Yeah. Um, sadly. But what can we do? literally nothing um i was hoping to watch a play so i'm i had two bad flying experiences Uh my first one was on my way out i don't know if i texted you i texted basically everyone else i knew some people cared a lot others i don't think you did not at all um i was i sat on the tarmac for six and a half hours whoa i thought there was like a law where you can't sit on the tarmac for more like two hours there it's four but at like five hours, they were like, you can get off the plane if you want, but like, good luck getting your luggage ever. <laughs> Thanks. Hashtag American Airlines. Give me a business class seat next time, yo. What, um, were you flying out of LaGuardia? The was, worst airport in America? No, I was flying out of JFK. Huh. Then on my way back, cause I canceled my return ticket a couple times to <laughs> cool. extend my trip. Cause it was so fun. Um, uh, I flew Norwegian Airlines. Sure, sounds nice. Not as oh. nice as it sounds. A lot of bitchy Nordic people. Huh. And also teeny tiny seats. Wait, 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 there's more. No TVs! Well, I feel like TVs... I don't know. I don't I, expect them to be there. I just was like David Putty, like, staring at the wall. Do you ever see that episode of Seinfeld where him and Elaine come back from <laughs> no. Europe and they break up on the plane, like, four times? <laughs> He's staring at the seat. She's like, are you just going to sit there and stare at the seat? That was me for 10 hours. Um, but aside from that, I really like ate and drank some really good stuff. I was in Rome for a total of like 18 hours on the tail end of my trip Mm -hmm. and I got there and I like ran to the Coliseum like (laughs) freak. (laughs) How many have been there before? Yeah. But it's so fun. I mean, it's a freaking Coliseum. It's like the craziest thing. Like if you're going to see a tourist attraction, it's like. I never have left, um, North America. So the closest I have is the Pepsi Coliseum oh. in Indianapolis, which is where the hockey teams play and where I learned how to ice skate. That's amazing. <laughs> what, any Roman connection there? I mean, it's called the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. So, like, there must be... I mean, it's probably, like, the first Roman structure in the United States yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds amazing. Um, so, yeah, I ran to the Coliseum, and then I, like, got some cocktails back across the river. Then I went to dinner ate a giant plate of mortadella at Rosholi, which is this, like, great restaurant in Rome. Giant plate of mortadella, bread basket, a pasta, uh, rigatoni al grisha with their house-made guanciale. Mm. Then I ran and got a double scoop of pistachio gelato. You're, like, running constantly. I'm, like, just... <laughs> uh, I'm, like, what's the, the roadrunner in, like, 
the feet just keep going and yeah. there's like dust everywhere. That's me. I'm right. dust dusting it all over. Oh, room. because you only had 18 hours. You were like, bam, bam. Yeah, I was going like, I have, and like, I, I ate well when I was there, but I was kind of working like the rest of the time. So I, it wasn't like a, you know, culinary experience for me so much as it was for everyone around me oh my god my papers no my life my life how will i do this i've been reading from a paper this whole time um so then the next morning i wake up at 6 a.m and go get like pastries from this like little place in the jewish quarter that makes like this thick ricotta pastry with cherry jam go back to the coliseum in palatine hill you love it there pizza for for breakfast from two different places then i go back to my hotel i take a shower i go to the vatican then i go to lunch and i eat more bread a giant salad of string beans and tuna, and then a giant plate of ravioli, then another double scoop of pistachio gelato <laughs> from the same place, and then I'm like, I need to get the fuck out of Rome. How, did you have to wait in line at the Vatican? I didn't actually go into the Basilica. I just went and looked at it, because there usually is quite a long line. Right. So That's all I know about Italy. <laughs> that, that, that the Vatican is quite popular? Uh-huh. That the, the Pope lives there? Everyone's always like, then I waited in line. There's a lot of lines. You got to go early to things if you want. Listen, you heard it here first. If you want to beat the lines anywhere in Italy, wake up early. Or in the world. Yeah, that's Possibly. true. Nicole, what are we going to talk about today? Um, so the the topic is the 90s, um, which I wholeheartedly agreed to and thought nothing more of until I started researching it. And then I was like, what the hell? Like... The, ni- the food in the 90s, as I texted you, could be its own independent freestanding podcast that goes on for years. So Totally. <laughs> I was torn. I had this whole, like, idea of talking about, like, all the stuff that was going on in, like, the New York restaurant scene and, like, how, like, Keith McNally and Danny Meyer, who are both longtime fans of this podcast, uh, <laughs> um, right? Uh, yes. They're sponsors. <laughs> they we're build- doing that whole thing and, like... Kermit Lynch and Neil Rosenthal and Natural Wine and then like the food critics and just like everything that was happening and then I was like wait what does everyone actually want to hear about 90s food related it's just the food trends that's all anybody wants yeah. is like the BuzzFeed article <laughs> like right. what was the trendy food in the 90s so that is what we are going to focus on although if anyone wants to start that other podcast with me give me a call yeah um, call her so I'm basically just going to go through the food trends of the 90s. Most of this is from an article in Food and Wine magazine. Um, and some of the stuff that they say is controversial. Um, but How so? <laughs> You'll see. Oh, God. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm just going to go through the trends, give a little bit of fun facts about each one, and then... Do tell. Yeah, it's going to be great. Amazing. I'm sitting here slipping, uh, slowly sipping on Clearly Canadian. <laughs> Which is not on my food trend list. Whoops. Oh, um, <laughs> although I was a huge fan of that in high school. Yeah. And I went on a trip to Canada. And I thought that for some reason it would be much more affordable in Canada. <laughs> but it was the same price. And you're like, clearly, it's Canadian. <laughs> oh, I was only 12. What do you want from me? Um, okay, so I'm just going to start. These are in no particular order. Okay, good. That I could ascertain. Oh. <laughs> um <laughs> So we're going to start off with um, molten chocolate cake. Oh! <laughs> yes! So technically, this was actually invented by Jean-Georges von Richten. Von Richten. He's like a very important yes, famous I person. Yes, I never knew how to pronounce his last name. Great. Matt, do we know how to pronounce Jean-Georges' last name? Absolutely not. Okay, Great. Perfect. Um, Great. I'm sorry, everyone that does know how to pronounce that, which is everyone else. Um 
He, according to Food and Wine magazine, which I thought was pretty funny, he said, they said, he gave diners at some of the world's fanciest restaurants the confidence to publicly indulge in raw batter. <laughs> Ooh. Raw batter is the, is raw batter the two sexiest words you could put together? <laughs> it's like the most pornographic you can get without like watching people fuck. Besides baby batter. Oh yeah. <laughs> batter in general is very sexual. <laughs> Gross. Um, and according to Food and Wine magazine, 1991 is actually when molten chocolate cake really took off, whatever that means. Um, and it was when it was served at a restaurant called Jojo, and it was called the Chocolate Valrona, Valrona Cake, mm. um, which everyone then copied, and it finally reached the pinnacle of its popularity when it was put on the Chili's menu in 1998. Oh, wow. <laughs> Where it still remains oh. today. <laughs> to die yeah on I the mean, chili's menu chili's is probably one of the most important restaurants that we have in america but, um. <laughs> I, i'm not gonna fucking lie to you two for one margs and some like chili con queso dip sign me up yeah it's also their queso dip is all you can eat like endless bottomless so <laughs> it's a bad idea but but is it <laughs> a moment on the lips a lifetime on the hips am i right chili's lovers <laughs> Uh, also, they have a good black bean beer. But anyway, moving on. Um, the next one is a food that I have always disliked. Um, sun-dried tomatoes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, food and Wine argues that sun-dried tomatoes were the sriracha of the 90s. Um, Less spicy. And also they, red. They also contribute, or they attribute the demise of sun-drying tomatoes to, so basically when they like went wild and they were everywhere, um, <laughs> the demand increase led to a lack of quality control. So basically farmers who were actually like drying their tomatoes in the California sun um, <laughs> stopped doing that. <laughs> and they started using food dehydrators. Oh my God. Are you serious? <laughs> yes, I'm not. You can't make this shit up. Um <laughs> And so the food dehydrator way, apparently, according to Food Mind magazine, <laughs> decreased the, the quality and the intensity of flavor and also just made for wide variances in, like, what the quality was. But nothing was, like, labeled as really sun-dried or dehydrated. Sure. So when you went to the store, you pick up a jar of them, right? I don't know. Um, and then <laughs> you couldn't tell if it was going to be, like, good or bad. And that's why, according to food and wine that the popularity declined right. i say that it declined because they are gross <laughs> <laughs> you know what? i'm a tomato enthusiast i love tomatoes so much sun-dried tomatoes can suck an egg i think it's just like the t i mean we you know there's many there's, this has been covered many times by many people we don't need to go into it but i'm not a fan it's all Weird. skin, it's essentially. Just like, it's like a, it's a raisin. <laughs> yeah, and, and especially when people now are starting to take to drying them on like the hood of their car, <laughs> instead of in the uh, natural suns of. <laughs> These are field dried. Okay, that's that's yes. I remember sun dried tomato everything, especially yeah. like sun dried tomato pesto is very popular yes. in my home. Um, sun dried tomato wraps. People would put it in a sandwich. Oh yeah, they were putting it everywhere. Everywhere. Literally yeah. Everywhere. Um. Yeah, so moving on to frozen coffee drinks. Oh. So, um, I don't know if everyone knows this, but um, in 1992, a place called Coffee Connection, owned by George Howell, started selling Frappuccinos um, from that store. They became very, very popular. 
and then in 1994, Dunkin' Donuts invented the Coolada, which is kind of like their flavored version right. of frozen coffee. Uh-huh. And then in 95, Starbucks launched their Frappuccino. So even though everyone thinks of Starbucks as like the Frappuccino place, it sure. was really George Howell who invented, I mean, he didn't invent it because it's sort of like a combination of like a frappe that existed right. forever. But this particular thing and calling it a Frappuccino actually was... Invented by George Howell. So where is George Howell on the payroll now? What happened to him? So George Howell is actually a very well-known and he's doing fine coffee guy. He's okay. He's got his own thing going on. He's he's doing totally fine. We don't need to worry about him. <laughs> don't worry about him. Okay. Good for, good for you, Georgie H. <laughs> you did it. You did the damn thing. Um, next on the list is Chinese chicken salad. Oh my God. <laughs> I have to be honest. Chinese chicken salad is my... Probably number one favorite food. I could live on it for the rest of my life until my all my teeth fell out and my hair went gray from only eating iceberg lettuce. Yeah. Um, so this is where we get into a little bit of controversy. Oh. Um, it's not really controversy, but the Chinese the Chinese chicken salad was not invented in the nineties. It was probably invented in like the sixties. Yeah. Um, and then sort of like got more popular slowly around the seventies and eighties, and then what happened was Wolfgang Puck started serving it at one of his restaurants. I can't remember which one because I only started to write down the first one letter of it. What is it? What's the first letter? It's like Chinois or something? Okay. Is that one of his restaurants? I don't know. God, I'm going to be mispronouncing so many important <laughs> like... <laughs> I'm just a lay person, okay? Sorry. Wolfgang Puck, forgive me. Sorry, um, Wolfie. But yeah, so Wolfgang Puck basically is sort of credited with popularizing it to the point of it getting, like, on a Wendy's menu. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, but he didn't invent it and doesn't claim to, but that's just... My favorite one is that... Do you ever go to Houston's or Hillstone restaurants? Yes, I've been to Houston's. They have, like, the most delicious Chinese chicken salad. Really? Oh, my God. I would never order Chinese chicken salad. <laughs> I just don't want to eat orange segments in They my... don't have orange segments in this one. Oh, I thought that was one of, like, the... It's a core tenant of the average... <laughs> Asian chicken salad, but this one goes a little bit over. It's a little avant-garde. They have, actually, it mixes a little bit of Mexican flair in, because they have tortilla strips in it, but it's still Asian. It's mad good. Huh. Yeah. fusion. Yeah. (laughs) Fascinating. It's delicious. Um, great. Moving on is fat-free snacks. Oh, yes. So, probably one of the most well-known snack was the Snackwell's devil food cookie that Uh was, like, do you know what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, of course. So that debuted in 1992. It sold out within months of the debut, and super fans, according to the Chicago Tribune, would stalk the delivery trucks <gasps> in order to get them at the grocery store before they were on the shelves. Oh my god! So popular. That's crazy. I know. That was very popular in my house because my dad always kind of had like a weight problem, and when there was like fat free came out, it was like all the rage. And, yeah, like, he would eat like you know a case of Snackwells. Yeah, and I mean, it took... It like, still has the same calories. It took, yeah, it took over the, the world. Yeah, yeah, but calories weren't a thing then. Like, you know, there were fat-free Fig Newtons. Everything sure. was fat-free. And then that eventually led to the fat-free potato chip with Alestra. Mm, anal leakage. Which is 1998. Yeah, so mm-hmm. basically, when it first came out, everyone was like, it's, you can eat potato chips without the yeah. guilt. Sure. And then when everyone had their problem with the loose stools, the FDA actually had to put that information on the packaging. Like, yeah. it actually says this product may cause loose stools on a lesser product. <laughs> and that's surprisingly not when the popularity <sighs> waned. Yeah. Um, 
And so, yeah. Uh, I remember <laughs> watching, like, in the ni- late 90s when Wow Chips first came out, Matt Lauer, America's Sweetheart, was no, uh, <laughs> was interviewing he was interviewing like the person behind them and he's like I have to be honest with you I am very concerned about this product I'm reading here it says people who eat wow chips are recommended to bring an extra pair of work pants with them when they go to work every day so it said like bring extra pants to work if you're gonna eat wow chips well, I'm sure Matt Lara already did that since he had that creepy thing that would just close the office door and lock it behind you from the button behind it. Full chest. of work pants <laughs> and wow chips. Well, that's amazing. Uh, those are some crazy food. Do you have more? I have more. Go. Let, let's hear them. I'm ready. Okay. Um, I'm going to skip this one because it's boring. So okay. let's move on to Zima. Oh, clear. Um, so 1993, Zima, a beer alternative, appeared magically. <laughs> Out of nowhere. Shelves. Um, which, of course, then paved the way for, like, Smirnoff Ice, Bacardi Breezes, Mike's Hard Lemonade. And what I was really a fan of in, like, college was the Jack Daniels punch thing. Uh-huh. I don't know if you remember those. Yeah, I do. They were great. Yeah. Um, I, probably not, but in my memory. Um, but I thought that this was really interesting. So the Washington Post reported in 1995, two years after they had come out, that youth officials... I don't know what a youth official is, but I thought that was really funny. <laughs> I'm like, what's a youth official? We don't know. Just like um, a, a youth with like a badge and like a pair of like <laughs> horn rim glasses. Um, they they were in Maryland and nine other states. They complained that because Zima is colorless and odorless, that it wouldn't be able to be detected on a breathalyzer. At which point, Coors had to like write many letters to police chiefs and school superintendents debunking this. Whoa. And they were like, this, they're like, you know, this is going to make teens, so you can't smell the breathalyzer on their breath, and like, it won't be able to be detected. And I just thought that was funny, because vodka is also colorless and odorless. Yeah, that's why they made vodka, so you can go back to work and no one will know that you're (laughs) hammered until you throw up on your boss. But that's why you brought your extra work pants. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Um, Okay, I'm going to Let's see. There's another one. Oh, okay. So I have two more. Okay. Um, the first one is basically like, I wasn't really sure what to call it, but Food & Wine kind of called it Lunchbox Treats. Lunchbox Treats. But yeah. it's also kind of like Lunchbox Treats and like kid foods. Yeah, yeah, So like there was already like a ton of marketing for kids foods in the 80s, obviously. But the 90s just like really ramped everything up and it was just like, everything was just like full of sugar and just like no holds barred. Oh, yeah. Because we only care about fat in the 90s, not sugar. Yeah. But there were shark bites. Do you remember those? Yes. And there was like white sharks The one in there. white shark, yeah. Delicious. Um, Dunkaroos. Favorite. Gushers. Loved them. Squeeze-its. Yep. <laughs> Squeezable uh, yogurt. Right, gogurt. Gogurt. Yeah. Squeeze-it was the juice thing, though. Squeeze-it was like the basically yeah, yeah. just like sugar water mm-hmm. in a plastic container. Loved it. There was fruit by the foot. Toaster strudel. Which came with, each strudel came with its own individual icing packet. I used to put two icings <laughs> on one, and then at the end, I'd be, like, I have a couple with no icing. It would suck. Um, there were bagel bites. Uh-huh. Um, and the, um, just, like, everything was kind of marketed to kids in this weird way. But um, I was really a big fan of bagel bites. Oh, I loved them. I used to make bagel bites and then put... Leftover Taco Bell mild sauce that was in our fridge oh. on them. Miss- Hell yeah. That's the fucking move. That's Life amazing. <laughs> well, let's take a quick break. Yeah, and then when we... Oh, more. 
Oh, okay. Go ahead. Please. No, by all means. <laughs> this is the most important one. I'm sorry. Our weird being sponsored today by Bagel Bites. I just wanted to get to the point. <laughs> okay. I'll make this best. Okay. Um, so Crystal Pepsi. Oh, everything clear. Yeah. So Loves Crystal Pepsi. I didn't know this until today. So 1992 is when it came out. They tested it in Denver. They widely released it in 1993. But allegedly, Coca-Cola found out about it and launched a kamikaze mission to take down clear Pepsi um, by launching their own drink that they knew was going to be bad. Um, so they basically made Crystal Clear Tab, which I never knew I about. knew about that, yeah. I didn't know about that. Um, and they knew it was... So basically their whole goal was like, Tab is a diet drink. So they wanted to confuse the market. They wanted people oh to think that God. Crystal Clear Pepsi was always diet. And they wanted people to think... They're like, Tab's a woman's drink. So we want people to associate Crystal Clear Pepsi with women. Oh, my God. Which means God. men can't drink it because in the 90s, sexism was, like, totally fine. Um, That's genius. I know. And then um, they also... What did they say? They just basically... Oh, also, it tasted bad on purpose. Like, they just, like, they were, like... They wanted to confuse the market and take them down, but also, like, by launching a product they knew was bad. But the win is that, like, Tab went away very soon because it was gross. Yeah. Um, but the Coca-Cola as a brand wasn't impacted because people didn't associate Tab with, like, Coca-Cola. Sure. And so... But Crystal Clear Pepsi was. Also went away. Yeah, Crystal Clear Pepsi went away, like, a couple of months after that, and that was the end. And That's amazing. Yeah. I always wondered why. That's Corporate so- kamikaze. Whoa. I think that, you know, it's interesting. That's absolutely fascinating. In the 90s when everything was clear, clearly Canadian. Yep. Orbits <clears throat> with the bubbles in it. Oh, Crystal yeah. clear amical ultimate clear gas. They're like, you can't see the <laughs> right. fucking gas in your car, but like, it's going to be clear. And they had the like Van Halen song right now. Yes. Yes. The moment. I don't know if that was for Pepsi or gas, but they're, in, for Pepsi. they're interchangeable. Exactly. Um, okay. Let's take a break. We're brought to you by Amico, Pepsi, everything clear, uh, <laughs> oil, sun-dried tomatoes. Bye. <laughs> My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's. A super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Hi, we're back. So, a couple of little things that I wanted to bring up about just like 90s foods that I remember. Uh, little Hug Quarter Waters. You know those little Quarter Waters? No. They were called Little Hugs and they were, they were Quarter. So, you call them like Little Hug Quarter Waters. Are you saying this in a Long Island accent so I can't? Little Hugs Quarter Waters. Quarter Water? They were oh, really just okay. called Little Hug Waters, quarter but they were water. Quarters. Waters. Yeah, because they cost it. a quarter. <laughs> little Hug Quarter Waters. With the foil top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a Cannibal Ox song about it, too. Um, Smuckers on Crustables, the sandwiches, the PB&J sandwiches that came made up. Was and that they the had 90s? The, yeah. Right. Mad 90s. Orbit's Bubble Drink. French Toast Crunch. Yuck. Um, handy Snacks. Very good. Dude, this is the one that I want to mention the most because I had forgotten about this and I loved this. Kudos. Do you what remember are, those? They were like kind of like granola oh, they're like candy fake bars. Granola bars, but they're just they candy were bars. candy. They were like oats. Snickers, <laughs> M and M's. They had a thick layer of chocolate on the mm-hmm. bottom. And that was the shit. Butterfinger BBs. Oh right, those were important. Yeah, uh, a bubble beeper, and it was like a beeper shaped pack of bubble gum that had like <laughs> messages like "Call me back." <laughs> <laughs> I do remember this. Fruit stripe gum, and as you mentioned, Dunkaroos. I today want to talk to you about the maybe the most important food and drink product from the 90s, yes. or one of them at least, Snapple. Yes. So, as we all remember, or some of us maybe don't because you're too young, little baby babies uh, <laughs> listening to the show, a little bunch of baby Draculas. Um, 
Snapple used to have facts under the lid, so I'm going to read you, instead of doing a joke today like I normally do, I'm going to read you a couple Snapple facts, some of my favorites. Should we tell people what Snapple is? What if they don't know? Oh, that's true. Is it, it, they don't even make it anymore. I tried to find it. No, they do. They do. I just bought some the other day. Oh. Okay, Snapple was a delicious beverage. They had them in all flavors. It was built on an iced tea brand of all kinds of flavors, but they had fruit juices, mango madness, apples. Kiwi strawberry. Oh, kiwi strawberry. Big 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 90s flavor. (laughs) (laughs) Strawberry kiwi, big ziti. <clears throat> ghost face um anyway so they used to have facts under the lids and here's some of my favorites flamingos turn pink from eating shrimp that's true that's fucking crazy what if they didn't they'd just be white what well, if they're, they're vegetarian what if they're allergic to shrimp they would die <clears throat> the only food that doesn't spoil is honey this one obviously this next one i hate frogs can't swallow with their eyes open why did you bring up frogs you I, know it just, I know it just like came up and i was like that is an interesting fact um americans on average, eat 18 acres of pizza every day. And that was in the 90s, so by now it's probably at least... Every day. 100 acres, yeah. Uh, and a one-minute kiss burns 26 calories. Please, anybody who wants to kiss me, call me. And call Nicole also. Call us. Call me first. Okay, call her and then me. Thanks. Um, okay, so in at a health food store in 1972, this guy Arnold Greenberg was joined by two of his friends, Leonard Marsh and Hyman Golden, uh, and they owned a window washing business. Should mention I got all my information on this from Mashable. Um, they partnered with Greenberg to create uh, unadulterated food products, and they were like, put it was like a health food store, basically. And their first product they wanted to make was like a fizzy apple juice that they were going to like bottle ferment, very ahead of the time. Pet nut, if you will. In fact. <laughs> a pet nut, uh, uh, they were working with uh, Kermit Lynch to make <laughs> the first pet nap um, apple juice. Anyway, so <laughs> they didn't end up making that, but like what was happening in the bottle was like it was a snappy apple. So they decided they wanted to call it Snapple. Now, a Texas company had the trademark to the name Snapple and they bought the name for $500. Which in the 90s was like in nineties dollars Yeah, it was $600. <laughs> So they bottled it hot so they didn't have to put preservatives in it, which, like, you know, Snapple is one of the first people to put uh, all natural, which is such a 90s kind of fluff filler thing. Like, we now know all natural basically means nothing. It's a nothing terminology. Wait, can I ask a question? So the first Snapple was a sparkling apple juice? Yeah, but they never went with that. But that's why it's called Snapple. That's why it's called that. But they never, like, ended up making it. But they still decided to go forward with a beverage company. Exactly. So they decided to go to iced tea, and they were just, like, you know making it hot so they didn't have to put any preservatives. Got it. Now, this is what I feel like is the most interesting part of this story. And the thing that, like, I remember most, and I watched a bunch of these commercials earlier today, was Wendy Kaufman, the Snapple lady. Yes. Right? Yeah. Do you remember her? Yeah, she was just, like, a lady on staff. And yeah. And worked at a desk job there. Exactly. So she had kind of gotten into the company on the ground level in, like, the early, very early 90s. And... I was researching a lot, and she's very open about this. She had had a terrible cocaine problem from, like, the, na- <laughs> the year 1980 until 1991 when she first was at Snapple. Whoa. I was watching her on Oprah today, and Is she said... Is that longer than Stevie Nicks? It's a pretty... That's a pretty long time to be, like, terribly into cocaine. I mean, she didn't dabble. She's, like, saying today, she's like, if I pushed on my cheek, like, right under my eye, blood would squirt out of my nose. Oh. <laughs> the Snapple lady! <laughs> okay? I am shocked. I know, but I really also, like appreciated her candidness about it because she was like, I've always been overweight. I was like searching for something and I became an addict. And she was like working at Snapple was the thing that really helped her like conquer her addiction, which I thought was really incredible. Um, 
So she started working there at, in 1991. Also, this is a Long Island business, may I say. Hmm. And she's from Long Island, I think, still works there. The company's headquarters were in Valley Stream, Long Island. For she all still Islanders. works there? Present day? No, no. She still lives in Long Island. Okay. So the ad agency at the time who was doing Snapple's PR was like, the most popular women at the time were like Oprah and like Rosie O'Donnell. And they're like, women who are going to buy this product don't necessarily want like a supermodel to be a spokeswoman or just celebrities like straight out there like let's go kind of fringe let's use this woman who is relatable to other women out there in america as the spokeswoman and so for anyone who doesn't remember she would read so she was getting all this fan mail and she was compassionate to getting the fan mail because she had written like greg brady fan mail she was a huge Aww. fan of the brady bunch so she was getting all this fan mail and she's this is like so heartwarming yeah she's like i felt compelled to read it because like i wrote to him and like i just wanted like someone who would read it so she started collecting all these letters and managing it and then they put her on the air and what they would do is she'd be like read the letter like hey wendy like i work in a pet store and like my snakes like love snapple and they'd be like how much do they love Snapple? And then they'd be like, let's find out. And so like some random people would bring like 10 cases of Snapple and try to like make a snake drink it. And that would be the commercial. Yes. Yeah. And it was pretty amazing. And she was said, that real or were there, there snakes didn't actually do that. On I mean, I didn't, there was one with like a dog today that I saw that would bark every time it heard like a Snapple <laughs> being opened. There was some kid who was in detention. He's like, they like delivered all the Snapple to the detention. There was a guy who like weightlifted like 700 pounds of Snapple. He was a bodybuilder and he's like, ah, refreshing <laughs> at the end. <laughs> it was really funny. So she read like, she sifted through 2000 letters a week. Dang. I know. And she ended up between 1983 and 1995 appearing in 37 commercials for Snapple. Um, Snapple sales through that time jumped from 232 million in 92 to 774 million in 1994. Mostly they say attributed to the fact that Snap Lady was so popular. It ended up on Seinfeld. Uh, Howard Stern was a representative for the brand. And then they kind of uh, linked up with a new, they went with Quaker Oats as like a new conglomerate. Like they merged with Quaker Oats. They okay. bought them and the PR strategist there like had them veer away from just doing the regular glass bottles. And Howard Stern was like slighted. He wasn't included anymore. He started calling it Crapple. <laughs> and that really took off. And so Snapple took like a deep nosedive into like 1998 when they decided to get Wendy back on board. She got her own signature flavor. It like what was her flavor? It was called uh, I don't remember. It was like Wendy's like Wendy's Hawaiian tropical. It was like some uh, kind of tropical punch. I, I have it in here somewhere. Yeah, this is like the height of Howard Stern's power when he could destroy yeah. a large company. Exactly. So yeah, and then they ended up selling to like Dr Pepper, Cadbury, whatever that conglomerate is. Coca Cola, aren't they? I don't. I think it's it says as part of the Dr Pepper Snapple Group. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I guess not then. Um, so anyway, they sold for 18.7 billion. Isn't that crazy? No. How much did the Snapple lady get? Of that? Uh, I think I looked up her net worth. She's only worth $500,000. Hmm. So there was also a rumor for a long time because there was a K that appeared on the bottle that they were that. affiliated with the Ku Klux Klan. I do remember that rumor. It's just because they were kosher. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they had to take out ads in like the newspaper to say like that they weren't. They weren't affiliated with the KKK. Wow, that's the story ridiculous. of Snapple. Did you have a favorite Snapple flavor? Um, I feel like <clears throat> I wasn't really into Snapple. I was into more other fruit juice things back then. But um, we were talking about this 
while ago, and I remember that there was like a commercial contest. Yeah. Where they were like, people can submit their contests, uh, or they can submit their commercial ideas, and then if you win, they'll make the commercial, and you get to be in the commercial. Oh, that's awesome. And this commercial was like this kid's idea. I'm pretty sure it was like a young person, but I don't remember. Yeah. Um, is they they're all in class, maybe at detention. I can't really remember. Um, and they all have Snapple lids on their desks. And they're all communicating via Morse code by snapping the oh, lid. Oh, little poppy lid. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, you know, I can't really remember much more of it than that. But yeah. I always remembered that commercial because I thought it was so clever. And yeah. I also thought it was cool that, like, a regular person got to make, like, an actual TV commercial. Totally. Well, I think, like, their marketing strategy and Snapple in general really played into the whole kind of... I feel like the 90s are divided into two sections, right? Like, the way I think about it, at least. I think of, like... 1990 to 1995 and like the grungy 90s and like early hip hop and all that stuff and like blossom and then like (laughs) and then like the late 90s like 95 to 2000 being like Britney Spears and like it was funny because today I wanted to listen to 90s music and so I put on um 90s playlist and was like Britney Spears Backstreet Boys I'm like yes that is 90s but like that's not really necessarily what I think of when I think of 90s right I think of like Bush, which is kind of like right there in the middle, though. It just depends on how old you are, I think. Yeah. Also, like, nineties is like when pop music sort of like came back. Yeah. It's I mean, true. not that it ever went away, but like, it's true. It sort of had a resurgence. Uh, Chef recommends if you were gonna throw like a nineties kind of like party at your house, what would be the essentials? Hmm. Definitely bagel bites. Oh yes. Of Obviously, course. I think I'm not. So it's hard to figure this out. I think that. Pizza rolls are the 80s, but it's possible that pizza rolls are they're, 90s. They were invented in the 70s. I did the story of Tortina's pizza rolls, and they were invented okay. in the 70s, but they were definitely super popular in the 90s. A lot of people kept bringing them up alongside bagel bites in like yeah. articles I was reading, and I'm like, I feel like, okay, so like, so no, I guess they can't be there if it's okay. a purist. Sorry. Um, but love you, pizza rolls. <laughs> um, I would probably also have like Pizza Hut there. I mean, I feel like. Hell of course, yeah. Pizza Hut had existed before the 90s, but that's when I got really into pizza and was also oh, working at Pizza oh, Hut. Oh, you worked at a Pizza Hut? Yeah, that was my high school job and part of college. Yo, dude, my like strongest like memories and nostalgia of spending time with my dad as a kid when my parents got divorced was like chilling with my dad while he drank a pitcher, full pitcher of beer, yep. smoked cigarettes, and we ate like green pepper and pepperoni pizza in a Pizza Hut with those like red plastic cups mm-hmm. and the like what do you call it? Like a stained glass kind of lamp vibes. Yeah. yeah. For sure. You know, yeah. very beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Gorgeous. I would honestly, if there were a pizza hut that we could go to right now that still had that vibe, I would, I would go all the time. They are around, but just not in the city. Really? We got to go out of state. Yeah. Yeah. Well, out of the city proper. There's probably like in New Jersey. Sure. Sure. Surely. Please write to life's a banquet show at gmail.com <laughs> and let us know where the chillest pizza hut is in America. We'll go there. We will. Um, and then I guess probably I was also a really big fan of Fruit by the Foot, even though I was a little bit too old for that. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think. So, and I was, I loved handy snacks. So like, yeah, you get like, and Lunchables, but I would always get the Lunchable and not eat any of the meat discs. Oh, I would uh-huh. just get, eat the cheese and crackers. What'd you do with the meat? Just leave it in there. Toss it out? It was like Give it to thick. a friend? I think I would just throw it out. It was Sorry. thick. Food waste was fine in the 90s. No. So really to do it. And it's fine. Um, yeah, I think I would just make, like, a really giant bowl of tricolor tortellini salad with, like, <laughs> the kind of, like, black olives that you can put on your fingers. <laughs> yeah, totally. Which also, I think, like, eating black olives on your fingers is also a 90s mm-hmm. food trend. Yeah, totally. What are your top three favorite foods from the 90s? 
Um, okay, so also, I'm sorry to say, Pizza Hut. Just, sure. It was so good. Also, so good. there was a pizza buffet thing happening in the 90s, uh-huh. um, and especially at the pizza that I worked at. I, it may have happened before the 90s, but it was when I came to consciousness. Sure. Um, <laughs> you, like, woke up in a pizza hut. You're like, what is this world? <laughs> uh, so, Pizza Hut, Pizza Buffet. Hi! Sorry, one of our one of our buds is outside. Pizza Hut, Pizza Buffet. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, focus, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, handy snacks. So good. Regular crackers or breadsticks. Oh, Both snap. are fine. No yeah. pretzels, though. Um, no pretzels. And then I was talking to someone about this, and we weren't sure, but are combos 90s? Dude, I forgot about combos. And you know what's so funny? I was munching on some... <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? I was <laughs> munching on some peanut butter filled pretzels because I bought them for my trip. Sure. And I was like, God damn it, I love these. And I, I don't remember eating those as a kid, but I remember that feeling of a hollow pretzel mm-hmm. with mush inside. And it's because I used to mow combos. Yeah, but I would never get the pretzel combos. Oh. I would just get the plain oh. outside. Do you have a problem with pretzels? It kind of, this is the second negative thing you've said about pretzels. I would pretzels. say I had a problem with pretzels, but we're not like besties. Sure, but the sure. funny thing about regular combos and handy snacks is just like the same thing in a different mm-hmm. delivery. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like cheese and crackers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is just... It's just a different, you're absolutely right. Um, so my three favorite things from the 1990s uh i'm gonna have to say i really liked crack what was the oat brand i think i want to say it's crackling oat brand it was like that's an right oat cereal that it was like a hard crunchy Ugh, it was very sweet so crunchy Ugh. i loved it that yeah, was it is crackling oat brand. yeah and maybe that's not in the 90s but it was something that was very was popular like, to me in the 90s it was like o's and they had like weird little sharks yes. studded things mm-hmm. on it. Ugh, exactly gross loved it uh <laughs> loved um 3D Doritos. Oh, right. I forgot about those. Yeah. Those were a mysterious, like, why did those exist? Yeah. Bizarre. They were delicious. Yes. And I guess probably when they made the jelly and peanut butter that came in the same jar. You loved Uncrustables. Well, I loved Uncrustables, but I loved the the combination peanut butter and jelly. Exactly. In the the same jar. Made it so much easier. And then you could just take a spoon right in there and eat it out. I want to just remind all our listeners who probably already know this about me, um, is that I ate, like, shit junk food when I was a kid. Like my, both my parents were chefs and also I was a complete latchkey kid and really nobody gave a shit about me. So I, and my parents were going through divorce and my, my mom, bless her heart, didn't really want to like deal with any more stress. So we'd go to the supermarket and she'd be like, get whatever you want. And I got the crap of all junk food but that was available because the 90s was the height of kid junk food it so really like, was you were really living the dream i'm gonna say something right now two words trex yogurt trex yogurt i was too old for that oh i know it exists yeah it's shockingly brightly colored i saw a picture of it when i was doing my research yes i'm gonna say something else one two three jello that triple layer jello that's 80s I made it in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> I love, you know, I actually tried to like find it and then see if people had like tried to recreate it. But it's yeah. one of those things that people were just like, don't care about. But yeah. it was like, had the creamy layer. Yeah. It's highly toxic. It is? <laughs> it oh. has to be. No. <laughs> How did it just form like that? It didn't. You had to layer it a little bit. Oh, I thought you but just. also like okay. the creamy layer sank to the bottom because it's heavier because it had like the milk solids in it. Yes. Yeah. Flintstones push pops. I don't, I don't think I know what that is. <laughs> it was like a weird kind of sherbet pop. There oh, were the orange sherbet ones. And yeah. you shove it up. And yeah. Flintstones vitamins. 
Do you remember those? Mm-hmm. I think I ate. I think I definitely took those. Yeah, there was a lot of a very lot. sugary, <laughs> a very sugary, um, very sugary. Yeah. Well, the 1990s were a hell of a time to be alive. Do you have a favorite song that sticks out that you want to mention? Um, I mean, they're just that's. I mean, I was forming in the 90s, so it's really hard for me to pick one song. Mm-hmm. I do remember when I was starting to figure out what grunge was and like I you know, lived in Indiana and there was no internet back then and yeah my school was small and I just like but I basically heard the cranberries zombie oh yeah and I would just like run around the house seeing it and my sister was like what is this song stop seeing it she's like this is not a real song and I'm like no it is we had to like wait for it to come on the radio though yeah. because like I can't you can't just, there is no, there was no other way to hear it. Totally. Um, so I guess my memory of the nineties in music is like waiting to hear something come on the radio. Totally. Or taping songs overnight while I was asleep in the hopes that the hit song that I loved would come on the radio. Absolutely. I, in the late nineties, I used to do that with like the CM family, I'm Stretch and Bob Beto show. Yeah. Uh, stay up all night and tape it. Um, I, the song that really sticks out for me from the nineties is Glycerine. Right. You mentioned Bush. Oh there. my God, yeah. dude. Well, I love Bush. You do? <laughs> no. I mean, I'm not a. I mean, '90s was just cool. Just the one song. Gavin Rossdale is hot. Yeah, he was a sexy, a sexy vibe. Mm-hmm. But now, who knows? Also, what a lot of people don't know about Gavin Rossdale is that he's a very good tennis player. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we should end on that note. We can't possibly get any higher than yeah. that. <laughs> this was a really fun show. I'm wearing only one shoe because I'm wearing new shoes and I have a cut on my toe. Gross. Just uh, thank you for putting up with me <laughs> Matt. That was very kind. You're a good friend. Thank you for saying that. Uh, and it was so fun to be back. And I'm very excited to see you again very, very soon. Great. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hasta la pasta. Hasta la pasta. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.